This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. This episode of Cutting Against the Grain podcast is brought to you by Meter Bluetooth Meat Thermometer. One of the hardest things for me in switching to a mostly meat diet was learning how to cook meat properly. Once I figured out that internal cooking temperatures were the key to mastering any cut of meat, everything made sense. To cook meat properly, it's important to have a quality meat thermometer. Our family has used Meter Bluetooth Meat Thermometer for many years. It takes all the guesswork out of cooking any meat, things in your oven, your stovetop, air fryer, smoker, your crock pot, any cooking method under 527 degrees Fahrenheit. There's no guesswork. The app lets you know exactly how long it needs to be cooked, when to take it off the meat, and how long to let it rest to ensure you have a perfectly cooked piece of meat every single time. This is a product I have personally used for many years, and I'm excited to partner with them now to be able to offer you a 10% off discount code for any of their meter products with code LAURA10. Just go to meater.com and use code LAURA10. Thanks so much for listening and supporting our podcast. Let's get back to the show. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's- It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole nother thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, uh, and and stay happy and healthy and and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am so excited to be joined by my friend and now officially board-certified nutritionist, Judy Cho. Hi, Judy. Congratulations on your most recent announcement that you are officially board-certified. Thank you so much. Congratulations. (laughs) Tell me about it. So... What does that what does that officially mean? Like, what does that mean for you, or what did you have to do to get that certification? So you have to um, have a certification or degree from certain schools, um, and then you can sit for this board exam. Um, you can just sit for the exam to get board certified in holistic nutrition, and um, and then you would have like this asterisk that you're basically still a student. But if you have enough hours in, I guess, clinical studies, working with clients, uh, once you complete that also and then show that proof, then you can be a practicing uh, board certified in holistic nutrition. And so um, I already have the hours from all the clients I've worked with. I passed my test after studying. And so... I think it opens up doors, but I don't really see it being any different. I honestly just got it just to bring more validity to the carnivore diet. I mean, that's the whole truth. As I work on the carnivore cure program and want to make it a viable option for people that struggle with autoimmune that are really sick and that so that I can have other practitioners really try to use this as a elimination protocol. I feel that if 
I have more letters behind my name, maybe it'll give more validity. But yeah, this is something that um, I know you've been studying for for a long time and obviously working towards. But that was going to be my question to you was now what changes? Like, are you going to go do a practice? Are you going to change up your client protocol? Um, But really, like you said, this really just and it wasn't like a, a carnivore certification of any kind. Right. This is just uh, for general um, nutritional therapy. So tell me, what does that mean exactly? Half of the books we had to use for the test was plant-based or very plant-friendly. I bet I'm the only meat-based practitioner in the whole community. So that's pretty cool. I think most people use herbals and plant-based medicinals. And I'm a fan of that too, um, using plant-based for medical supports. But, you know, they use it for eating a lot of vegetables, eating the rainbow, that type of stuff. And so I had to learn a lot of that. Um, I probably failed some of the questions based on those things, right? So what herb is this or what food can you take to heal this? And I was like, that's not the answer I'd probably answer. But they didn't have a meat option. So it's like, what is it? I swear if I was plant-based, this test would be so much easier. Yeah. Overall, um, yeah, it was good. It was good to review some, you know, anatomy books, general nutrition, but obviously a lot of the... The things they endorse or support aren't exactly the same page of what I believe or what this community believes. But um, with that all said, they also adopted into their continuing education program, the Carnivore Cure book. Um, They said that it can now accept um, as official CEU credits for continuing members. So that's pretty cool, too. So it's an option that... that, Wow, that's... Congratulations. That's... um... An accomplishment of it itself, for sure. That's ex- super exciting. And I think it is important to understand. I know you texted me when the test was over and you're like, dang, they asked me so many vegetable questions. This is going to be crazy. Fingers crossed, right? And uh, obviously you did amazing and you passed. But that I think it's it's got to be very interesting in the space that you're in, having to learn all of that plant information when it's not necessarily something that you stand by. But I think more than anything, it's really important to know all that knowledge so that you're not just standing by what you believe in because it's the only thing you know. And I do think sometimes we don't have the full clear picture of things. And sometimes I think a lot of the people who are plant-based just think meat gives you cancer and that's just, it's, that's all I know. And that's exactly what's going to happen. People who follow the standard American diet and they go to their doctor and their doctor gives them information. And it's like, that's what I've been told the, my plate or the food pyramid and the traditional guidelines, like that's what I know. So that's what must be right. And I think it's really important and it's it says a lot about you that you're willing to take all of this information in to really learn exactly what's being said about plants and then also to learn and understand what you know about meat and the health that meat brings you. And I think it's really important for a lot of people as they're trying to take back their health. Don't just blindly believe in carnivore because Judy and I tell you to, um, but make sure you really have all of a well-rounded knowledge of it so that you're able to understand why you're eating this way and why you believe this way. And I always say that with keto, go learn about fasting, go learn about keto, go learn why fasting is bad for you, go learn why it's good for you. And then you have to find what works for you somewhere in the middle of all that. I had some practitioners ask me if I was even planning on getting this board certification because they knew that a lot of the belief systems in eating the rainbow, I think if anything, they endorse a paleolithic diet or a, you know, real foods diet. Some of the practitioners were like, are you going to go after it? Because you would have to kind of ignore or answer some questions in ways that totally do not follow your belief system. And so I did have a moral dilemma with that, right? So there was a specific question in the study exam that said, what diet or what foods should you remove if you have depression or something like that? And saturated fats was the answer. And for me, that was so close to home because of my postpartum depression and all of that. And I knew to, to get the degree or the certification, I would have to answer that way, even if I don't believe it. Now I could say, well, I don't agree with this. So I'm just going to answer it whichever way I believe and not pass. But I just think that In order for me to be able to share with this entire nutrition, holistic nutrition group, and now I can have the option of possibly speaking at their 
um, their conferences, getting on their podcast for only board certified members. Now I can share more about meat and the healing powers of meat so that this can evoke change. And so while maybe getting my foot in the door was having to kind of close my eyes in terms of some of the answers on some of these tests, like for rheumatoid arthritis, I specifically remember, and I thought of Michaela, um, but you know, it's like anti-meat answers, like eat plenty of vegetables and things like that. I think in order to evoke change, uh, you just have to play the part of the game. And so for me, it was, okay, I'll, I'll play, I'll get this certification so that you can view me now as your equal, but now I'm going to ch- challenge you on your ideas on vegetable heals everything, right? And and I really think I'm the only uh, board certified in holistic nutrition that's probably meat-based. And so I think it's exciting. I think it's a win for our community. And the fact that they were like, we accept your book as part of the continuing education for this entire nutritional practitioners, which include PhDs, doctors, like everybody. I think it's a big win for the meat-based community. And I think that shows, like you said, you already have to be accepted into their, you know, to the into that program and you have to be certified with their knowledge before you can start changing things and having your book be able to be used for that already shows that that's already happening. I think also it shows, you know, we both get asked all the time, how do I convince somebody to be carnivore or how my neighbor says that meat's going to give me cancer? What do I do? You just can't be resistant to that. And sometimes, you know, there's nothing that you can say to them that's going to change their mind. And so really listening and understanding and just leading by example. And, you know, even in whether it's politics or your homeowners association or the PTA or whatever it is, like being a part of that group first and then working to make uh, small changes usually is going to be a lot more productive in the long term for making change than standing outside screaming holding a sign telling everybody what they're doing wrong (laughs) not to say anything but like what good is that doing for anybody so let's get involved be a member be on the committee be a part of something and work to make that change and help people understand the truth um, from the inside and not by standing outside and shouting at them yeah I, I really think it starts with you I would say my family and close friends more than my degrees or certifications or what I preach or practice or share on social media, I think the biggest um, anecdotal share that has been the most powerful for them is my mom's story and how healthy she is now and how young she looks. Because even my journey with the mental health, you can't see it, right? You can't, if from outwardly, I seem like the same exact person to them. I could show the medical records that I was in, Um, medical care for my mental health and stuff, but it's not as strong of a change as my mom's story. And so people have tried a carnivore diet from my mom just when people are like, wow, you look so much younger. What's your secret? And she's like, I just eat meat. And that has been much more powerful. And it's so simple. And she doesn't know all the science. But just the fact that she can say that and they see it in her has been I mean, she's had some of her church friends start eating mostly meat, and that that is really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Your personal example and healing journey um, means so much more as far as convincing those around you and just live your life and be consistent and live happy and healthy. And especially today when I think health is such a controversial topic and how to get healthy and how to stay healthy and how to be healthy. You know, we talked a lot about that in the last episode. And so just keeping yourself healthy and your family healthy um, is the most powerful thing you can do right now. I fully agree. I think um, with everything that's going on, if you just focus on a real foods diet, and then if that is not doing enough, I would say cut down and try just meat alone because it is the most nutrient-dense bioavailable food you can eat. Yeah. So we want to talk about a topic today that I know Judy and I get a lot of questions on. Every time I post my what I eat YouTube videos, I get tons and tons of questions down below because nobody really ever talks about like, what do you drink? Um, And it's something that I'm probably asked daily in some platform or another. And I know that you get asked that a lot. So many questions, just we all talk about what food you can have, approved foods, how much food, fat to protein ratio. But then all of a sudden there's this big question mark when it comes to like, what can I drink? Um, And the answers for that vary so much. Uh, And so we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about coffee. We're going to talk about electrolytes. We're going to talk about sweeteners and kind of like all the different options that you have. Obviously, there's an ideal. 
but then there's a, is it going to hurt you? And we'll get into that. But I think that so much is focused on food. And for people, especially who are just starting out, there's such a big question around drinking. So let's talk about drinking. Yeah, so I'll just say some basics. And then, Laura, if you can just share your journey and I can share mine. Um, So, I mean, really, in a carnivore diet, if you're especially using it as an elimination diet, the best thing to just stick with is... Um, water. Make sure to get some clean water. Um, I am not a fan of tap water. And so I would suggest getting spring water or getting water from sources that you trust. I'll put some links down in the show notes about filtration systems. I have not found one yet that's perfect for the entire house. I've received so many recommendations. I'm just still hesitant because it's super expensive. And of all the full home systems I've searched, uh, there's always something wrong with it a little bit and so I'm just not sure when it costs tens of thousands of dollars. That was a question I have for you because I know that and I should go through and read your blog posts and your Instagram posts that you have because you have so much information about water out there. Um, Our kids like specifically only drink water it's all they've ever had they've really don't ever have never drank anything else but we are pretty bad about just drinking water from like a filter on our like we have a filter under the sink Uh, And I know you're very specific about what kind of water people should. So like in an ideal world, what should you be drinking on a low carb or carnivore diet? The answer is water. But then even within that water, there's a best option and then there's other things. So I don't want this to sound overwhelming to people, um, but I know that making sure, you know, it's something you consume so much of. Our bodies are made up of so much water. And so ensuring that you have the best liquids hydrating your body uh is really important so i know you said you're going to link down below some not whole home filtration systems but just uh, i keep needing to ask you for that specific recommendation of like what kind of filter should i be getting for um especially for just for our house and for normal drinking water so one thing i'll say before i explain water um is that different countries will have different types of water so every time i share about water i get people from different countries messaging me saying, is it okay if I drink the tap water in my country? And I'm not a water expert, so I don't know for sure. But what I'll say is a lot of people drink their tap water and our water systems are so toxic at this point. There are forever chemicals that basically with any filtration systems, your city filtration systems, they just don't go away. And that's why I always recommend people watching this documentary. It might be on YouTube still. I'll put a link if I can find it with our show notes. It's called uh, The Devil We Know. And it's talking about 3M and Teflon. And they knew that their chemical that makes that nonstick is super, super dangerous for human health. It's everywhere in our water systems at this point. They did studies all over the world and it was in everybody's blood. And so knowing that, it's just... We will not be able to remove all toxins from our body, but if we can at least filter our waters and our body is almost 70% water, it would be smart if most of the time we are drinking cleaner waters. So there's two brands I recommend. Um, Alexa Pure is one. It's a cheaper version of the Berkey. Uh, the Berkey, you need two different filters. One had, one is separate for fluoride and it's just, it's pretty pricey. The Alexa Pure looks exactly the same. It only has one filter. They show studies that they remove a lot of the toxins, the heavy metals, and everything else in their water. It just gives me more peace of mind when I'm cooking um, and then when we're drinking the actual water. Now, I just said that I don't have a whole filtration system in my house, so that means the bathtub water for some of the showers don't have the filtration system. And then when we brush our teeth, all of that is not filtered. So I am exposed to it, and it's not perfect, but at least knowing that the amount I drink is still filtered um, is the ideal that I recommend. Yeah, and then I also know that drinking water from like plastic um, water bottles is not ideal either. Um, where just because of the plastic toxins or especially like my mom's super paranoid about if the plastic has ever been hot and then like you're drinking like a warmed up water bottle that's hot and it's just so like that's her biggest like freak out moment and so or how bad and toxic that is and so we have been good about switching to the metal reusable water bottles Um, obviously like I said we use a probably less than ideal filter from the tap for all of our drinking water and cooking water. So that's probably not as ideal as maybe some of the filters that you're talking about. 
but staying away from the plastic, we've gotten better about doing that. But that's still good that you use some filtration system, right? So it's better than nothing, is my opinion. And I just yeah. think you shouldn't drink from the top. Um, do what you can, but if you can get any kind of filtration system that seems okay, um, I would add something. If you use plastics with water and then they're heated, they will release some of the toxins from the plastic into your water. And you have to think that those big trucks that carry your water, your b plastic bottled waters will likely be in the sun one time in the lifespan that it's yeah. been around. I live in Arizona, so just getting home from the grocery store, they're already going to be nice and hot for you. Right. So if you are struggling with hormone issues, hormone imbalances, um, that's where I would really consider the plastics. Um, you know, this is where you have to balance real life and all the toxins because, again, there's toxins everywhere. So for my husband, he still drinks plastic waters once in a while because it's convenient. Um, and as he checks his hormones and they're normal, he minimizes it um, with our stainless steel containers. But if he has to drink plastic water, he's not as concerned. But we don't drink as much of the tap water, right? So it's that balance. Um, I rarely drink from plastic bottles. Um, I think just I'm just more uncomfortable with that. But that doesn't mean that I didn't ever, right? In high school, I remember I liked the hot waters because I was so disordered that I was like, oh, this will warm my body. <laughs> so... It's finding the balance, but yes, if you can try to filter your water, one, I think that's really good. If you could get a whole house system, that filtration system, and you know it's good, like the big tank, for example, that filters it will not harbor mold, um, that it's not also reverse osmosis, which is almost the opposite end of filtration. So I'll talk about that in a second. And then if you just can limit plastic exposures in your waters, even canned foods, unfortunately, they cannot have the metal exposed to the food so they have like a plastic lining within the metal oh i didn't know that that's crazy yeah. so inside of like if so my kids eat like canned green beans or whatever well inside of that canned green bean you're saying there's plastic lining the inside of the can yes i didn't know that yeah there's like that bpa even soda so think about it if you're drinking a canned soda you might possibly oh. get exposed to aluminum you never hear people say that it's lined with plastic Dang, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I know. So that's what I'm saying. It's impossible to get away from any toxins, right? So are you never going to drink water at a restaurant? Right. Because most likely they'll probably grab the tap water to do cooking of any of their foods, right? They're not going to go get their filtered water. So this is, again, where you just have to balance it. If your hormones look good, if your health is in good shape and then maybe it's not as much of a concern. I do think, though, with the tap water, you probably want to just get it filtered. It's going to be up to you and your family to figure out what amount of filtration you want, um, but I would highly recommend watching that movie, if yeah. anything. I think that's... So that's the ideal, right? Ideally, what should you be drinking on a low-carb, meat-based carnivore diet is perfectly filtered water. That's the ideal. Is that realistic for everybody all the time? No. And I think that's where we want to get into like, what are your other options that are fine options, depending on your context? Um, like Judy said, if you're fixing your hormones or you're trying to balance autoimmune issues, like the things that we're going to talk about next are likely not as ideal for you. But maybe we'll go in order of like most ideal to you'll probably be fine <laughs> options <laughs> at the end of it. So I would say the next option would be an unflavored sparkling water. A lot of people, I don't, I can't do it. I don't know why, but it just tastes like minerals, which obviously it's because it's a sparkling mineral water of some kind, but um, I'm not a fan of that flavor, but I do know it's a very popular thing to have a Pellegrino or to have something that's like an unflavored seltzer water or, um, some sort of sparkling water mineral taste. I don't maybe because the first time I ever had it, I was like a teenager in Europe and that's what they bring to you at the table. And it was just like this water tastes like dirt. And I was a teenager used to drinking very sweet things. And so maybe I just got turned off from it early on. But I don't know if I know you drink some sparkling waters. Yeah. Um, before we get into the sparkling waters, let me uh, talk about the reverse osmosis. I totally forgot to bring that up. Um, Make sure to get your water filtered, but what I want also people to understand is I also see the trend of going the other way, right? So to the other extreme of let's do reverse osmosis, let's basically kill our water, um, increase the pH because 
There's doctors that say if your blood or something is too acidic in your body, you'll be more susceptible to cancers if you follow the alkaline acid diet. But just a few things on that. So reverse osmosis basically kills a lot of the minerals in your water. So they essentially make it dead water. And so I am not a fan of reverse osmosis. Now, there are people that add minerals back. I think that's a better option if you already have those RO machines in your home. But there's not a guarantee that the water is now balanced. The concern with these waters that are pretty much quote unquote dead with no minerals in them are that if your body likes to be in homeostasis, so in this balanced state, and if you're constantly drinking these waters that are quote unquote dead, there's a risk that when you drink it, then the water in your body will then have to give some of the minerals away and that you have a higher chance of becoming more mineral imbalanced. The tap waters are toxic because of the PFOAs, all the heavy metals, and all the other junk in the water. But the reverse osmosis is also stealing all your minerals. So it's just something to kind of keep in mind. Um, That's why I'm a fan of some level of filtration, but not to the point where you're basically making this water um, not sterilized. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. In general, like distilled water is not good to drink all the time. Um, And I know there's some people that drink well water and they're like, oh, my water's safe. But I've done enough hair mineral tests on people that drink well water that do not do not filter it and they have heavy metals. So I would make sure that if you are drinking from a well water source that you either check your minerals or check your waters to make sure that your waters are truly clean. Because at this point, even into your soils, um, water is getting contaminated. One last thing I wanted to say is in terms of electrolytes overall, um, I like to just add a little bit of Soleil water, which is just salt that you've mineral salt, unrefined salt that you've left overnight in water and then adding maybe a tablespoon or a teaspoon of that to your water. In general, um, I do see people are deficient in minerals, uh, deficient in sodium and potassium, magnesium, and all of those things. Uh, Hair minerals are the best way to check that. And that's having proper electrolytes is important in general when, especially when you switch and you start, but you know, carbohydrates hydrate your body and keep, you know, that's why salt is bad for you when you're eating carbs. And that's why something like salt gets such a bad um, rap about keeping you bloated or inflamed or raising your blood pressure. Because when you're eating it with carbs, you are retaining all of that water. But when you are doing I think we've mentioned this before, but it's it's worth mentioning again when we're talking about what you drink. If you cut out carbs, your body is flushing out all those electrolytes pretty quickly, and it's really important that you replenish them, and you're going to feel a lot better if you do. So whether it's the Soleil water, just making sure you add some salt and potassium, um, some magnesium, things like that. And, you know, we're not going to get into ratios and amounts and all that stuff. Just check out Judy's information for that in the future. But if you're having headaches, if you're having low energy, you know, electrolyte imbalance is a big part of it. So you should definitely be adding that to your water. I know that a lot of people struggle with carnivore, whether it's because they have low energy or they're having an issue with their mineral balances. So I think in general, our food is a lot more depleted with minerals. And so it may just be ideal to supplement a little bit of potassium, maybe magnesium. Again, it's going to be very bio-individual. It'll be very specific to you. So I cannot even recommend a certain amount. If you're a slow oxidizer, a fast oxidizer, meaning how fast do you use up these minerals, it's going to depend on you and you specifically, so I can't answer that. But in general, if you want to try a little bit of Soleil water, that may be helpful. But I think a lot of people, when they aren't feeling good and they're having the root cause is mineral imbalances, then they say, well, if I add some fruit in or I add some sugar, I add a little bit of honey, now I feel a lot better and my minerals are much more imbalanced. But the thing is that for every sugar molecule you have in your body, the glycogen, it has water molecules that it also stores with it. So you are basically masking the mineral deficiency, but that does not mean that you're actually mineral sufficient. It's just masking it. So it's a great band-aid. The the thought is that if I'm that much closer to root cause, maybe I should really try to work on my mineral balancing now. A great example of this is that most hair mineral tests were not made for carnivores. They were made for the standard American diet, for people that are on a paleo diet that eat mostly meat and fruit. In general, they struggle with mineral imbalances. I really think it's because our soils are depleted. And so maybe we all do need a little bit of supplementation with potassium or magnesium if we're not feeling well in the beginning. But to say that it's the carbs or yes, it may band-aid it, you won't feel the lack of electrolytes as quickly 
but it doesn't mean that you have sufficient amounts in the body. And the critical thing is long-term, without enough of those nutrients, you won't feel well and it won't spark plug the things that need to happen in your body. So why not address them now? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't understand that. I think we're going to do an entire episode on this soon is that how can people be so under, like we believe all these things. We believe that red meat doesn't cause cancer. We know that salt isn't causing you high blood pressure because of this context. Like we are awakened to that fact. We understand that the nutritional guidelines should not be followed, but yet why do we still believe other things? Right. And that's going to warrant an entire discussion where I'm going to maybe go on my soapbox about a few things. So stick around or leave now, whatever. (laughs) Feel how you over you guys feel about that. But how can we be so bought into this way of eating and yet still believe the hair mineral tests analysis and still believe that those things, like it doesn't make any sense um, that we would still be so caught up in that. Plus so many other things that I want to get into, but yeah, that's that I totally agree because it's the doubt, right? So even though people are slowly awakening to the fact that, Hey, meat may be nutrient dense for me, that fat may be good for me, that saturated fats aren't bad for me. I still see it where people's LDL goes up. Um, I have a client that's a doctor and her, um, she started eating more ribeyes and some other fatty meats because she needs it for her hormones and her LDL went up. And even as an MD, or maybe it's because she's classically trained as an MD, but she started Mm -hmm. freaking out. And so her response is, I'm still going to eat meat based, but I'm going to cut down on the ribeyes. And I try to give her arguments of you don't have to worry. And um, but, you know, for her, it's it's worrisome, right? It's the risk of, well, my LDLP is going up and it's not as high as some other clients I have, but it's worrisome enough for her. And that's what I think it is. It's the doubt. Right. So all of a sudden my electrolytes are low. I don't know that it's that it's my electrolytes, but I feel weak on this diet. I have low energy. Maybe it's the carbs, right? Maybe I was wrong about this diet, right? It's that fear or the skepticism that when nothing is going perfectly, it must be the diet, right? I ha- I should go back to carbs. And it's the easy answer because now when the rest of the world is saying you're wrong with your diet and now it's not actually working for you, maybe it is the diet instead right. of, well, maybe I just need to figure something out. And that's why I wrote Carnivore Cure. I mean, it's to educate so that when you start questioning, you have the data, the science, the the information to say, keep going, try this lever, try that lever. And that's why I don't say, this is how you do the carnivore diet and this is XYZ steps and that is the answer because it isn't. It's so different for every single person. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's People have to be able to, to hopefully commit and it's hard to do that, I think, a lot of times, which is also segue into coffee people don't want to give up their coffee whether you do or you don't I think some people do really well on coffee um and are fine with some caffeine and stuff but what are you laughing at me you laughing at my segue Judy (laughs) I'm like okay Judy now we're gonna segue back to our topic for today thank you for coming (laughs) no because uh we forgot to talk about sparkling water (laughs) oh yeah okay never mind okay so sparkling water and then we're gonna do coffee because I think those are the two biggest things. So sparkling mineral water, because that's what we got on minerals. Okay, good. Thanks you for keeping us on track here. This is why you're here. So I don't like it. I know it's a big thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think there's anybody that will tell you there's anything wrong with it. My measure for like, is it okay for everybody is Michaela Peterson. Can Michaela Peterson have it? Then it's probably good for anybody with an autoimmune condition. Um, she says she despises flat water, which she's been talking about joking around on Instagram recently. So if you wanted to have an unflavored sparkling water of some kind, there's really not any reason why you can't or shouldn't that I know of. So, um, sparkling water. Here comes Judy to ruin everybody's (laughs) 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 Every time I share something, I always get like negative feedback now. So I'll just share some of those fears too. I was the same with you. I used to travel to uh, Munich or Germany for work and I never heard of still or flat or, you know, and, and so, or bubbly. And so when I drink, I was like, what is this like rancid water? Yes. <laughs> but, um, but you know what? I like it now. So um, I drink, it's not as good as some other sweet sodas. If your sparkling water has some fruit flavored flavors and it says natural flavors it may not be that ideal but it's 
not that bad, in my opinion. So I talk about natural flavors, and basically it could really mean anything that was natural at one point, but then it can be changed to be whatever it is. So it's not necessarily healthy for you. If you have autoimmune or severe health issues, then it may be better to remove natural flavors as a general ingredient. But that's not most of everybody on carnivore. So for me too, I will drink a strawberry flavored sparkling water that has natural flavors. Is it ideal? Probably not. But do I do fine with it? Yes. Um, So I'm okay drinking that. And then if we were to talk about just the unflavored ones, like you were mentioning, maybe like the Pellegrinos, I did a post on it. And then everyone was like, oh my gosh, what about the PFOAs that I just talked about? Or like the fluoride in it. I like the fact that there's natural mineral minerals in there. If you have an occasional sparkling water, um, I think it'll be okay. Um, but people are upset that I shared that, right? So again, it's just where's that balance for you, right? If you're drinking non-filtered water at home and you're drinking these sparkling waters and you're brushing your teeth with fluoride toothpaste, maybe you shouldn't be drinking the sparkling water, um, even if it's the um, unflavored versions. But again, it's it's very individualized. I think overall it's safe. At the end of a meal, it's kind of refreshing. But I would still recommend drinking more water and then having the sparkling water as a more of a dessert than um, your main source of hydration. And I think that's with anything that you drink that's not water. What you know, Anything else that we're going to get into is those things should be more like a treat or... Um, supplement or a special, you know, like special occasion desserts, like you mentioned. Um, okay. Now I, I have no interest in talking about coffee, but everybody else cares about coffee. <laughs> this is another one of those things that I just am grateful. Actually, I always used to feel left out because I don't want to go have coffee. I don't care. I don't want to like whenever people want to hang out and chat, they always want to go for coffee. And so I'll obviously go sit, but it's, you know, not, I'm not going to go pay $8 for a fake coffee and then sit there and drink because it tastes like dirt so I'm very lucky in that sense I know it's an acquired taste and some people are extremely addicted um I know a lot of carnivores who drink it and have no issues whatsoever they drink it black no it doesn't impact anything it doesn't break a fast when you add cream or any kind of sweet um cream especially it's going to break a fast and um does it matter that it does that I don't know I think that most people eat or drink way more cream in their coffee than they realize. They think, oh, it's a couple tablespoons, and it's really a quarter cup because they're not actually measuring it. Um, So I think if my thoughts on coffee, right, is that if it's holding you, if your weight loss is not going in the direction that you want it to, uh, and you're drinking coffee with cream, you should probably make that the first thing you address before you look at other things um, to cut that out, the cream out, or to look at that. I also think that a lot of people are kidding themselves with like a caffeine addiction problem, something like that, and they have a lot more problems um, with the coffee than they are willing to admit. You know, I have a friend who's given up coffee and it was kind of the worst thing that she's ever been through and she did great. And then the next thing you know, she was drinking decaf coffee and then she added an egg yolk to that decaf coffee and then she was adding cream and then next thing you know she's back to her regular coffee with cream and now apparently the diet doesn't work for her anymore but I'm going to slap her and say like maybe it's not carnivore and it's just the fact that you're drinking gallons of cream and coffee again when you swore you never would put yourself through that torture again your adrenals are messed up your hormones are messed up you're gaining weight stop drinking this dang coffee and cream is your number one problem now I have had addictions that I can't give up that are the same as her. So I actually am not judging her at all. But I think a lot of people are that way where they're holding on to their coffee and cream. Is it causing you a problem or not? I don't know. I don't care. You have to decide that. Yeah, I did a blog post on caffeine and coffee. And I think I brought it up in Carnivore Cure as well. Because 80% of Americans drink coffee. And um, I'd say 85 to 90% of children and adults take in some form of caffeine so caffeine is highly highly addictive yes yeah if a kid has ever if a kid has ever had chocolate ever had some sun-kissed um frozen yogurt ice cream pudding breakfast cereals headache medicines a lot of them contain caffeine i think if you your kid is meat focused um i don't think they'll have much caffeine but um yeah if they've ever had a sun-kissed it has it is one of the most caffeine-rich sodas of all sodas um, next to Mountain Dew. 
is sun-kissed. It's pretty scary. Whoa. Yeah. That's, oh, wow. Yeah, and there's food dye, but let's, you know, not even go there. But I decided to stop coffee when I first went carnivore and I stopped for six months. I had, I used to drink lots of soda and I would drink coffee in the mornings. And so when I got off it, I had all of this muscle achingness and it was really, really bad. Um, I've since learned that if you take some taurine with it, you won't feel the um, effects of withdrawal from taurine. I mean, I'm sorry, from caffeine. Uh, but I just felt this really heaviness and achiness and it felt like I was detoxing a lot. Um, but after that, it was weird. Like I would just get up and I was just ready to go for the day. I didn't have to go and get coffee and feel tired until I got the coffee. But then I did the same thing as your friend. So I started drinking decaf. So after six months, I started drinking decaf and I was like, oh, I just want a little bit of heavy cream and decaf coffee in the winter nights. And it, it tastes so good. And then eventually I've um, gone on. Listen, maybe I was talking about you and trying to keep you anonymous. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> No, because I still say carnivore works, though. Um, so now I still drink one cup in the morning, but I limit it to that at least so that uh, my sleep doesn't get disrupted. And one other reason why I started drinking coffee again was because sometimes I would feel a dip in energy. Um, I just need, maybe needed a nap, and that was really what my body was saying. But instead, I would go get coffee, and that would help me to just kind of wake up again or stimulate my cortisol. Um, but that's not ideal, right? So... I have a lot of clients, I'd say more than half do not drink coffee. And the reason is because they have hormonal imbalances. Uh, coffee can absolutely affect your cortisol. It's giving you a boost in energy when your body doesn't have it, right? It's stimulating that. So that's why if you, uh, again, are an excessive exerciser, over faster, under eater, then probably adding coffee to that is not going to be helpful. Um, it affects moods. There are studies where uh, one of the authors that I read, he was working with a lot of people struggling with a lot of anxiety. And he was advocating for it. Before you start giving people anti-anxiety medication, why don't you just get them off coffee? Because that may be the trick to calm down their anxiety that's going on in their system. Wow. I, I think it's like a Band-Aid. The problem is people use... It becomes an addiction, but people use coffee as a band-aid to their energy problems when, like you said, they really need to address their sleep issues. They really need to address their hormones, their electrolytes, their, like, something else is wrong. And then, obviously, there's a caffeine addiction. Like, once you have it, it's hard to break out of that and to get away from it. Yeah, and like you were mentioning, I have a lot of clients that they're like, oh, I'm fasting through my whole day and I basically have OMAD. And so then I ask them, like, what are you consuming during your fast? And they're just drinking coffee all day long with heavy cream, maybe a little bit of stevia. And I'm like, that is not fasting, first of all, because the heavy cream is giving you hundreds of calories, if not thousands. Um, and that's probably why you're not losing weight. But on top of that, it's a diuretic, so it's keeping you full, giving you that cortisol or that boost in energy temporarily. And then you, it's an appetite suppressant. So a lot of people that have disordered eating use caffeine and coffee as a way to not eat. And that's not also ideal as well, right? So that's why people start getting the adrenal tax or the hormonal imbalances. So a lot of my clients don't drink coffee because of that reason, because of their hormonal imbalances. And when they drink coffee... They can't sleep at night. And that's the other thing I mentioned in the blog post is we all have different half-lives for coffee, meaning that my husband can drink coffee and it may only stay in him for four hours and so he can sleep well. Um, if I drink it, it might last so much longer in me that even 12 hours later I can no longer sleep at night. And I never will think it's the coffee, but it actually is. So these are just some things that vary. If you're pregnant and you have a little bit of caffeine, um, it will stay in your body much, much longer than if you're a smoker, for example. And then if you're, you maybe don't have an appetite or your energy is up and down all the time and you've removed a lot of the carbohydrates and you know you're fueling your body right, but you still have this waning energy, it might be the excess cortisol being pushed out every time you drink a little bit of caffeine. So you may want to cut it out then. Um, I noticed my energy was very consistent and my mood was super, super consistent when I was off all bits of coffee. I'm, I, I have no judgment for people who have a caffeine slash coffee addiction, even though that is not anywhere near mine. But I understand it because I have had the same like Diet Coke caffeine addiction many, many times. And that's been my like struggle over and over again now. The benefit, the downside, obviously, is that they're aspartame and the, you know, the sweeteners in that part of it. 
Um, I think it did the same thing for me for so long of being an appetite suppressant. It's sweet, so it gave me that dessert feeling when I was used to having a pint of ice cream after every meal or a candy bar or, or something sweet. It would give me that like refreshing, sweet, crisp. I would put one in the freezer and then let it half freeze, and I'd sit on the couch at night with a spoon, and I would eat my frozen Diet Coke instead of eating a pint of ice cream. And so obviously the downside is the aspartame and the sweetener. And I'm not saying that's ideal, but I am saying that I didn't have to, there wasn't the heavy cream twist where I wasn't adding the extra calories in all the time. And so it never had a negative impact on my weight loss. I guess that I'm consciously willing to admit, I don't know. I, I don't know of any, maybe I'm lying to myself the way that my friend was, but I think that it was an amazing bridge for me. And I, it's something still that like trying to get, I've done the same thing where I, I go cold turkey to get off of that caffeine I take the L-taurine, I get off of it, I'm fine. I, it was a terrible experience getting off caffeine. And then months go by and I'm at a restaurant and I'm eating wings and I'm like, what's a Diet Coke gonna bother? Like, what's one app? Maybe this is my new rule, only at restaurants. And then the next thing you know, it's like, well, at restaurants and at airports and here. And well, I'll just buy, and then the next thing you know, I'm like back to buying cases for the house again. And so it's it's definitely something that's been on and off for me over the last three and a half years and like, maybe I'm kicked out of the carnivore club because I, you know, have had diet soda um, on and off over the last three years. But I will say that the negative, toxic, poisonous aspartame aside, it's actually been an amazing resource for me because of the fact that it helped me get off of sweets. Um, I think there's also the argument to be made that it could cause sugar cravings because it does taste sweet. So you have to balance if it's helping you or hurting you. And again, maybe I'm lying to myself at times that it was helping me. But I do think that, you know, my first understanding of this, something like this, like Dr. Siwis is the first, he's a big, everybody knows who he is now, two and a half years ago when nobody knew who he was um, when I was first starting this way of eating. And he talked a lot about bridge foods and, you know, maybe having the sugar-free jello instead of the pint of ice cream and, and a piece of sugar-free gum and those types of things. And so for me, that's what, you know, the diet soda has been. I think ideally it's not great. It's definitely not ideal and it's maybe not even helpful uh, long-term, but you know, we, at the end of our Q&A episode, we talked about that guy on World Carnivore Tribe who yeah. is posting his food every day and his diet soda, and everybody is just so jumping all over his soda. But he just weighed in after his first month, and he lost 34 pounds in the first oh, wow. month. And if, I mean, at this point, it's an amazing thing. He's coming from this standard American diet. He's come, he's come. He was almost 600 pounds, and he's lost 34 pounds the first month. And he's drinking diet soda every day, so... I'm not encouraging you to do it, but it's certainly, there are worse options. Um, and I think that with any of the things that we're talking about that aren't water, they should be occasional, occasional, they should be limited, um, they should be special occasion things, and then obviously they should be few and far between. I think this is where indiv uh, bio-individuality really matters. So um, one thing I really want, quickly wanted to bring up about the coffee that I forgot is if you struggle with any mold issues or you had mold issues, that's another reason why you may just want to stop drinking coffee as coffee is a very highly likelihood food that can contain mold. So just an FYI, there's also some anti-nutrients, but I will link to my full blog post. You can read it. You can read the studies there. Um, so going to soda. For me, when I try to do a keto carnivore with soda, um, that would always eventually get me to binge. So I knew that for me personally, diet soda was not a bridge food. But so again, that really depends, right? Yep. The gum, even I try to do that and that wasn't a bridge food. So I'd end up eating like two packs of sugar-free gum because I just wanted something sweet. And so I was just getting little doses from the sugar-free gum. Um, and I just realized for me, I just need to go cold turkey. And that's where the sparkling waters with the cherry flavor, that was good enough at that point because I knew that if I had the diet sodas, it would trigger me. But now four years in, if I have a diet soda occasionally, it doesn't trigger me. If I have a little bit of even real ice cream, it doesn't usually trigger me, right? So that's where you have to figure out where you are. And in that period, um, that's what really matters. So in general, I'm not a fan of diet sodas just because 
aspartame is not ideal. There's studies with whether it's cancer, whether it might be gut permeability. But in those moments, if it allows you to do the bridge food, like you mentioned, if for that guy, it helps him to lose 35 pounds. I mean, the reality is he will have a higher chance of metabolic and other illnesses from being obese than the diet soda that he should be worrying about. So if he were my client, I would say you can have the diet soda just because we, we need to realize, and this is always my struggle is it's marrying that real life and ideal eating, right? And and I don't know why when we decide we're going to be healthier, now all of a sudden we need to be eating the cleanest, purest, best foods that ever existed. And if we don't, then we're not good enough. It's like, why do we swing the pendulum so bad, right? right? When we come from the standard American diet. So if diet sodas work and it allows you to eat this way consistently, fine. Yeah, and then over time, when he's gotten his food under control, maybe that's something he can focus on. And that's me. If I'm feeling strong in my eating and I'm feeling great and I'm at my and I'm, you know, in this wonderful place mentally, like I don't need it nor do I want it. But when I'm struggling and having cravings and really, you know, dealing with food issues and and um, fasting and emotional issues, like that really helps me. And so again, maybe I'm lying to myself that it's causing some of those things, but I do think that. Um, you know, people have to figure that out. And I do know, you know, not all diet sodas are the same. There's the Zevia with Stevia and I don't, who, who knows if that's any better. I think it doesn't taste like what I want. And so I'm not going to go eat, drink something that's that expensive when it's not what I want. I'm very specific. I mean, you see me that I'm, listen, I'm bougie when it comes to meat and I'm bougie when it comes to, um, diet sodas. I don't want, you know, if, if I was ever in a position where that's something that I was drinking at the time that I'm in a restaurant, I order Diet Pepsi or there I order Diet Coke and they say, is Diet Pepsi OK? I'm like, ooh no, I'll take water. Like I it's not about finding healthier replacements for what I want. It's can I have it or can I not? And I can't have any I can't have Ben and Jerry's. So I don't want Rebel ice cream like those are not that's the same to me. And so because I can easily live without Ben and Jerry's. Um, because there's no other replacement and it's definitely not approved. Um, sorry to say, but there's just other things that it's either I want what I want or I just, I can easily go without. If he were obese and he's saying that I'm going to try meat-based diet and have some soda with my meals and I'll always recommend, well, make sure to have your water aside from that to also, uh, counterbalance the diuretic. But in general, if you want that, you're losing weight. Great. And then if his blood markers, his blood work shows that he's improving, the insulin's going down, glucose is going down and all his markers look good. And he's still drinking his diet soda. I'm not going to complain until let's say he gets a a stall or now his energy is tanking. And then it's a lever that he can pull. But maybe this is not the time to have to pull it. And that's where right. real life, real clients, real patients, real people matter instead of saying diet soda is bad. It's not ideal. Um, for me, it totally made me binge in the beginning. Uh, a lot of my clients say they could never taste something sweet or they can't do carnivore. So, again, it is very individualized. Um, and for you, Laura, like if that helped you not eat the Ben and Jerry's in the beginning, I would have totally supported you as well. Yeah. I think another th- option that's fine is and along those same lines is going to be something like um iced tea where you have like an unsweetened tea maybe you add some stevia to it or you add some sweeteners to it you know not all sweeteners are created equally and so i would encourage you to do that research i know judy has some information out there but we don't need to get into like all the artificial sweeteners today uh, i think we're about out of time anyway so i i think that's something that you uh, need to do some research on but you know those things that has less caffeine than a soda or a coffee um it's not water because i think realistically for a lot of people they're not going to stick to this way of eating if all they can drink is water and that's too boring um i think a lot of what especially when i'm cutting out um when i you know was working hard to cut out diet coke having some regular water with some electrolytes so some salt and potassium in it and then they make those true lime and true lemon packets so it's like a little packet and the only thing in it is this powdered lemon and lime and that with a little bit of salt and a little bit of almost tasted you know not like plain water to me and so if you can't drink plain water again I think that's another really good option um, to help break when you're looking for some flavor in something or having that unsweetened iced tea. And if you're trying to get the sweeteners out of it, maybe putting in a little bit of that lemon or lime 
um, to give it a little bit more flavor when it's not sweet. Yeah, I'm okay with people using fresh lemon and lime in their uh, waters just because, I mean, if you're scared of vitamin C um, or the lack thereof on a meat-based diet, you can get a little bit of vitamin C from the lemon and lime. And if you don't eat anything sweet, it tastes so sweet. In terms of teas, um, I get a a lot of that question. Um, So a lot of people ask, what are decaf teas? What about decaf coffee? So in general, if you're going to drink decaf coffee, you want to get maybe the Swiss water versions because if you get the regular ones, they use toxins to remove the caffeine. So you don't want that. So if you get like the Swiss water type, they don't use any harsh chemicals. And then for teas... um, if you want to stick to more of the herbal teas, they're better. They don't have caffeine, and they're also not as high in anti-nutrients. So the black teas, the green teas, um, some people I know debate the green teas being high in oxalates, but black teas are very high in oxalates. So you, if you struggle with any oxalate toxicity, you may want to reduce that. But if you do herbals, like chamomile is a good one. Peppermint is known to, if you smell it, it can help reduce headaches. I'd limit any like lavender or tea trees because of the, um, the endocrine disruptors. But in general, any herbal tea should be pretty good. Um, But just make sure to hydrate yourself well because that is very, very important as any non-water drink um, is considered a diuretic, meaning that it will dehydrate your body. And so you should be able to then add more water with some maybe salt or electrolytes or whatever it is that you take to make sure that your body is hydrated because, again, your body is 60 to 70% water. Um, I think the last drink that I can think of is that we get asked a lot about is alcohol. Um, and a lot of people have a hard time giving up their evening wine, their Friday night margaritas, or they, can I drink alcohol at all? And I think I've mentioned, but all I know about alcohol and I, I'm somebody who really never drank a lot. Thankfully, again, I don't like wine. And so that was never something that I had to like learn to give up. Just not something that I liked in the first place. Um, Something like that is so much sugar, and so it's obviously going to throw you out of ketosis. It's going to make you feel bad. It's going to just not help you in any way with your weight loss goals. If you are finding things that are low-carb drinks, then it still is going to impact your weight loss, even things that are zero-carb drinks. Um, you know, we've. I often say that your my very basic understanding of it is your liver has to help you lose weight, burn the fat filter the fat out of your body. And then every time you drink alcohol, even if it's zero uh, carb alcohol, your body, your liver has to stop burning the fat and start clearing out that alcohol and then go back to the fat again. And so if you're having a drink every two or three days or a couple times a week, or even one a night, you're really stalling your weight loss, even though there's no carbs in it. And so that's definitely something to think about. Um, I think I had always said, like, I haven't drank, I don't drink anymore. Like, there's kind of, I just hadn't in, I've been doing this way of eating for three and a half years. And I think it's been, you know, had been over three years since I ever had anything to drink. And then twice in the last six weeks, uh, I've been hanging out with friends and had a couple drinks and really enjoyed it. Now, majorly set me back on my weight loss. I had some, like, low-carb hard seltzers. So everything was low-carb there. But I definitely felt bloated. I had some increased cravings. I didn't feel great afterwards for like a week. I had some skin breakouts. I definitely paid the price of that. And it was a good reminder of like why I don't do that. Um, And then I did it again last weekend. I went out to dinner with a friend and I had two drinks. And it was great. And I've really, and that was more, that was probably a little better to have two with dinner than to have what I did uh, when I was a little on vacation like a month ago, um, with a friend of mine when we were at her house drinking, but I will just say in general, again, is it helping you hit your goals or not? If it's something that you're doing regularly, I guarantee you it's not helping you hit your goals. And it's something that should be a very rare occasional thing. And even then limit the amount that you have at the time, but beers, wines are really not helping you. Um, in any way. And I would say there's the so much that issues they cause with bloating and digestion and just weight loss in general. Um, that if you, it's like the coffee, if you're not hitting the goals you want, that has to go. Yeah. Our bodies will filter or the liver will filter alcohol first, then sugars, then proteins and fat. So 
if you drink alcohol, it's going to go through that first. And that's why people that are low carb, all of a sudden when they start drinking, they notice that they get drunk way faster. So it's just, um, that's just the way the body processes alcohol. I know there's people that drink dry wine um, because it has less carbs, I think. And then people drink hard alcohol because that also has less carbs. But again, if you're taxing your liver when you do that. I say if you are going to drink the hard alcohols or alcohol in general, you can do the ones that are low carb, but it's just not good for the body. And then on top of that, if you are sensitive to sulfurs, wines are not going to work. If you are drinking beers, all of the grains, um, the hops, they're very estrogen friendly and um, they can give the man boobs. They can give the big gut. So all of those fancy uh, beers and they're just, they're not ideal for you. And then they're green. So I used to drink, but then I breastfed for five years. So that really just stopped me from drinking at all. And now I just don't drink. Um, yeah, it's, um, if, if you want to drink occasionally, fine. Um, I talked about in the sleeping episode that you don't want to use alcohol or wine as the way to go to sleep because you will wake up in the middle of the night with, um, a rush of cortisol because now the alcohol has worn off and now you're wide awake. So it's a band-aid to fall asleep, but it's not going to help you to get restorative sleep. In general, um, I don't think it's great for optimal health. And I think that's kind of what we... Anything that's not this filtered, purified unicorn uh, <laughs> tap water, <laughs> rainwater from fairies, that is... I know. That, other than that, it's really something that you have to decide for yourself. How often you have it. Um, what are you having it with? And, and all those things are going to make a difference. So you have to decide what's going to work for you. But I think, you know, sticking with things that are zero calorie, zero sweeteners uh, are most ideal. And I think if you're stalled in your weight loss, if you're having um, some autoimmune flare ups or you're still having skin issues, you're still having digestive issues, you know, having those. I did a lot of research and in the beginning I was having the loose stools for far longer than I thought I should have. Had I known Judy back then, she would have put me on some sort of uh, digestive enzymes or some Megaspore stuff. But I also read a lot, and this is when I really cut it out um, for the first time, was that your body gets that, I don't remember the research and this is my dumb explanation of it, but your that sweetener hits your stomach and it sends this bile response to your butt. And then all of a sudden you have like major loose stools and it wasn't being caused necessarily by what I was eating, but it was because of what I was drinking. And the minute that that diet soda and all that meat hit my stomach, it would just kind of liquefy everything and send these signals to your intestines to release it all. And so if you're having loose stools and you're having a diet sodas or you're having coffee, that's a lot, that could be a lot of it. Obviously then if that cuts out and it still continues, maybe it's something else. But, you know, I think that we focus so much on what are we eating and then the drinking just doesn't come into play. And like you mentioned, your clients say they're fasting all day long, but they don't mention the fact that they're drinking 800 calories of heavy cream spread all throughout the day. Or we also forget that we're drinking, you know, vodka four nights a week and, all of those things can be having a major impact on your health and the diet and what's going on. And so more than just the food, we have to look at the entire picture. We have to look at our sleep and our activity levels and what we're drinking and your lifestyle choices, um, your relationships, your stress levels, like get in a happy place. And so this is one of those tools and levers that you can use um, to help you find great health and happiness. Yeah, well said. I mean, I really think the overarching message is that if you're just starting, um, just figure out where you are with your relationship with food. I couldn't do the diet soda. That caused me to binge. For Laura, the diet soda is what gave her the bridge to eat a meat-based diet. So you have to figure out that balance that makes sense for you, not what some advocate says, and then do that to then see if you can get to just water or a little bit of lemon with water. Um, And if that's not what you want to do and you want to add a little bit of sparkling water, so be it, right? If I still drink a little bit of coffee in the mornings and I'm fine with it. So you just got to find the balance that works for you. Nothing is ideal. I'll just say that there's toxins everywhere. I can argue for every single thing we use, we do, we eat, we sleep, everything. I could say that there's some type of toxin in there. I can promise you that. And it's funny that, you know, we think of everything and we get so worried, but we just need to relax sometimes. Yeah, agree. 
I am super excited for the next two episodes that we have coming up that we um, will get into. If you have a question for us or you uh, would love to support us, we would love to have you leave a review. At the end of the next episode, we will read through any of the reviews that we've gotten. So please leave us a five-star review and questions that you have, and we'll make sure we answer them at the end of the next episode. Thanks, guys, for your support. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>